0: In my next four chapels we will be studying the remarkable prophecies of the Old Testament prophet Zechariah. He lived about 500 years before Jesus was born, and he's sometimes called the prophet of the passion as he pictures the coming of the Messiah as the suffering servant of Isaiah. Zechariah was sent to God's people at a low point in their history. Israel had just returned from the Babylonian captivity, 70 years in exile. Nebuchadnezzar had completely destroyed the city of Jerusalem, destroyed that beautiful temple of Solomon, and taken the gold and the silver and the vessels from the temple back to Babylon. Under Ezra, a small remnant, 43,000 people, returned to Jerusalem to rebuild the city, to rebuild the temple. And Zechariah was sent to encourage God's people to build that house of the Lord. But let's go back 500 years before Zechariah and the rebuilding of the temple, King David, had expanded Israel's military might. He had conquered the surrounding countries, the Philistines, the Moabites, the Amorites. Israel had become a world power. But he wanted to build a house for his God. For years, they had the tent church with the holy place and the holy of holies. But God said, because of his bloody hands and his wars, he would not build the Lord's house, but his son Solomon would do so. God promised When your days are complete and you rest with your fathers, I will raise up after you your descendant who will come from your own body. I will establish his kingdom. He will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. And this promise was fulfilled not only in Solomon, but also in great David's greater son, Jesus. But what was the reality in Zechariah's day? Israel was ruled by the Medes and the Persians. There was no Descendant of David sitting upon the throne. There's a puppet governor in Israel. However, in the last seven chapters of Zechariah, he pictures for his people the Lord of the armies who would deliver his people and destroy their enemies. Old Testament prophecy is remarkable. Sometimes it's a direct prophecy and we can see clearly it's fulfillment. Sometimes it's kind of a strange fulfillment. We wonder how people ever grasp it. Sometimes it pictures an immediate event and also a coming event. In chapter 9 of Zechariah, God, the Lord of the armies, encourages people, the oppressor will never again march over them because I now am watching with my own eyes. And then he promises in chapter 9, verse 9, Rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and brings salvation. He's humble and riding on a donkey. On a colt, the foal of a donkey. Does this prophecy sound familiar? How did Zechariah's people, the people of his day, perhaps understand this promise of a coming king? I'm sure they were looking for an earthly king, a king who would conquer the immediate enemies of Israel and establish a mighty political force, such as was David's earthly kingdom. But perhaps they also puzzled over Zechariah's promise of a, of a humble king riding on a donkey, a beast of burden. But fast forward now, 500 years later, about 30 years, A.D. Herod, an Edomite, was king of Judah. The real power was Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor. And on that Passover, a strange procession entered Jerusalem. A ragged rabbi proud of people and children. He was riding on a donkey. Matthew tells us, this took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Tell the daughter of Zion, look, your king comes to you, humble and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I wonder if the people remembered the prophecy of Zechariah. Their response was, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Unfortunately, those people and even Jesus' disciples were still looking for that earthly king, the mighty nation of Israel ruling the world. That king would free them from Roman domination. But what happened that holy week? Jesus' own people handed him over with that trumped up charge. He claims to be a king. Pilate knew it was out of envy. They delivered Jesus and he gave him a crown, crown of thorns. And then, as he hung on that instrument of Roman justice, the cross, Pilate had, he thought, the last word. He put, as a sentence above Jesus' head, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. However, Jesus was the fulfillment of God's promise to David, God's promise through Zechariah, he established a kingdom, a spiritual kingdom of God's rule in the hearts of his people, a kingdom that would last forever. Who would see this humble king dying on the cross? As the Savior of the sins of the world and the one who would give everlasting life to his people. There's no earthly kingdom of David today, but Jesus' spiritual kingdom exists in your hearts through faith. Are you looking for a bread king? who fed 5,000 people and give you whatever you want? Are you looking for a king who healed the lame and the sick and raised the dead and perhaps would take care of all of our physical and mental problems? Are you looking for a king who calmed the storm and is going to shelter us from anything that we think is bad for us? Or by faith, as you hear Zechariah's prophecy, are you looking for a king who is humble, a servant, a king of all things, who gave his life for his people? Are you looking today for a king who brings you salvation from your sins and death? Are you looking for a king who actually listens to your petitions and Tom promises to take care of you. We see the fulfillment of Zechariah's prophecy in our suffering Lord and Savior Jesus, great David's greater son, King of kings and Lord of lords. So Zechariah, 500 years before Jesus was born, tells you today, Rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion, the people of God. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and brings salvation. We'll close with the Palm Sunday hymn in 161, we'll sing stanzas one and three. 161 stanzas one and three.